Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Game of Your Life, the podcast that celebrates all things nerdy, nostalgic, and most importantly, my favorite medium, video games. This week, we got Jim Meehan on the podcast. Jim, how's it going? Good, thanks, man. You all right? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. I think we're both sort of in the same zone right now. Day off, uh, not much to do. I mean, I got a show at night, but I still consider that not work yet, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, cool, man. No, that's good. Yeah, I like midweek days off because everybody else is doing shit, so I feel like I've got the city to myself yeah it's the same it's the same feeling i get when i have a couple beers in the daytime it's sort of like i'm the only one having fun right now yeah yeah i used to um i used to have a job where i worked nights and it was it was horrible going into the job at night Mm. but coming back in the morning you got this enormous satisfaction seeing everyone going to work as you're going to bed yeah i same sort of thing in my early 20s i told myself i'm only ever going to work night jobs because i love being able to stay awake until it doesn't matter, and I love yeah. just being able to sleep until it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think just years of school, it was like I hated waking up and just being tired all day. But now I can't imagine that lifestyle. Like, I never stay up past, like, 1 a.m. And I'm an old man now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Early to bed, early to rise. It's boring. Yeah, I guess that just comes <laughs> with age, huh? Maybe, yeah. How old are you, by the way? It sort of helps with the... I'm, I'm 35. 35, okay. A couple yeah. years older than me, then. Because, yeah, I like to get into the video game history off the top. So, do you remember, like, the first system you got and what you were playing? So, I, so I do remember the first system. that Well, I got two at the same time. Oh, but, shit. But, I mean, they were both very, very old. So, mm. from the old Leyland Market. So, Leyland is my hometown where I was brought up. Okay, where's uh, that? About? About 45 minutes north of Manchester. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it's not too, not too far. But my dad came home one day and genuinely in a dustbin bag, like a black bin bag... He had an Amstrad console. I forgot the name of it. Amstrad. It had cartridges, though. I think it was, like, just a bit before the Master System. So, like, even less power than the Master System. (laughs) But he also had a a ZX Spectrum as well. Mm. And in another carrier bag, just, like, a bin bag full of cassette tapes. Which is what the video games were on. Damn, Back did then. he like? Did he just strike gold at the dump, or like, where did he? I, I genuinely think, yeah, but like, it was it was a dated console already by that point. Right. And the idea of like, because it was just a um, a bin bag full of cassette tapes as well. Uh, you didn't really know what you were going to get, whether they were going to work, whether a game was going to load, whether. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, my first experience with these consoles, it was this sort of like wondrous mystery of like just putting these like hundreds of tapes in this little keyboard and seeing what played yeah that's pretty cool i don't know what it was either because my dad was similar he just came home with a nintendo one day yeah not quite sure where he got it and i don't know what the fascination was because i had no obviously prior yeah uh, experience with it but i was like well, i think we were the first generation of like when home consoles properly started people might argue that it's it's pong or that it's <laughs> right uh or that it's uh the cassette tapes but i don't think it was i think the birth of home video games was the 8-bit consoles. Yeah, definitely. So the Master System, I remember getting a Master System for Christmas with Sonic the Hedgehog built in and still one of the greatest platformers ever. Like, my mum could play it and my mum <laughs> hates video games, but yeah. Yeah, mine was like, both my parents worked at the time, so it really became like the unofficial babysitter. And I'm sure there was no data on like if that fuck kids up or not. And I'm not sure it does. I mean, I feel I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> But I like before I go fuck up, but I don't play video games. (laughs) Yeah, before I was walking around, I was like playing Bubble Bobble and like yeah that game where you're climbing the rainbows to the top of the screen. I don't remember what it's called. All those old games, like 
<laughs> and so then, did, were you just hooked right away? Did you like grow up playing video games or in and out? Yeah, so my Master System, I really, really liked. But the the best Christmas that I ever had as a kid... Now, bear in mind, I come from a family... My mum was on, uh, wasn't working. Uh, my dad had a, had a full-time job, but he, he wasn't, he's not like a millionaire or anything. It's just a normal day job. Right. Um, so getting good stuff at Christmas was a luxury. And when it came around, you really appreciated it. Mm. And I remember the first Christmas where I absolutely looked out. Like my dad must have won some money or something. But <laughs> I got a mountain bike and a Super Nintendo with Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Oh, damn. Which is still like that. And the game we're chatting about later on are the two video game moments where I was like, this is Huge. I love those two things are so opposed though. It's like you can yeah. go outside and exercise or you can sit here all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Play Street Fighter. <laughs> it I probably should have been out on the bike more because it, it actually, weirdly, it got stolen that night. Really? Uh, yeah, but this will give you some idea. I I just thought someone stole it from my back garden. Like it was chained up to the, the post outside. Mm. I found out last year my auntie stole it to sell it for drugs. Wow! <laughs> Holy shit. But my mum didn't want to upset me as a child. But she she told me as a 34-year-old adult. This is me going, Holy fuck, why did you not tell me this sooner? This is amazing. <laughs> but that's what, probably a testament to how good the games were, because I bet it wasn't like super disappointing. Like, No, my, I, I still had the uh, Super Nintendo Street Fighter 2 Turbo. To me, it's the greatest 2D beat up of all time. Hell yeah. Uh, and yeah, Super Nintendo, in my opinion, is the top. I don't know about System, because it's come so far, but maybe the best game library I can think of. So, yeah, yeah. to me, that's when like the Golden Age began, and I was just cranking it, like constantly gaming. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so growing up, any Nintendo, PlayStation, where did you go there? So I started with Nintendo, but I gradually just started buying both. Yeah, really. right. Sometimes I'd wait till they were a bit dated and cheaper, but mm. I wasn't part of some big old console war where I'm like, I only buy this or I only buy that. Yes, yeah, they both they both had the merits. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Nintendo sixty four is my favorite console of all time, though. Okay, that makes sense. Like home yeah. console, and then that that'll go into what yeah what we're talking about. Yeah. And speaking of what we're talking, we are going to talk Zelda. But uh, so, had you played the previous iterations of Zelda or Green? yeah, like... yeah? So I completed Link to the Past. Right. Uh, that was my only other experience. Mm -hmm. of a Zelda game. And were you pretty like blown away by that at the time? So, I played A Link to the Past. Yes. And A Link to the Past is probably, I reckon, my third favourite Zelda game. Mm. But it should be my second, I think, because my second favourite is A Link Between Worlds, which came out on the 3DS. Right. Um, and it is essentially a sequel to A Link to the Past. Um, so it wouldn't exist without A Link to the Past. Yeah, but... I was I was blown away by it just... Because it, it kept the same world map. Yeah. Like, that alone was blow away. Yeah. Yeah. That um that nearly topped Ocarina of Time for me. I oh, genuinely, wow. I was so into The Link Between Worlds. I, I couldn't believe how modern they made pretty much the exact same setup feel. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't feel dated at all. It felt inventive. Um, Definitely. It was, it was fantastic, yeah. Yeah, joining into the walls and stuff was such a good mechanic. Like, yeah. just to throw into an already existing setup like you said and it really speaks to the strength of the series that like i don't even think we have the same top three other than link to the past i don't know i don't even think link to the past is in mind i'd probably go breath of the wild number one yeah and then either ocarina or majora's number two and the other one number three but i i go back and forth with those two yeah all yeah. the time but i mean those are like so different and i still love twilight princess and i still love link to the past and all these other ones like yeah so and wind waker and uh mm. 
What was the one on the Wii? Skyward Sword. I know that I got a bad rap, but I loved it. I haven't played it yet, but I'm I'm tempted to pick up the the remake they just did yeah. if it ever goes down in price. Yeah, I reckon the the tracking will be improved, so I reckon it'll be a much better game. But and even the first like Zelda has a lot of merit to it. I mean, it's not like I played it re- recently on the the Switch has like just a bunch of free Nintendo and Super yeah. Nintendo games. And granted, you're not, like, blown away by it, but the amount of freedom it gives you, I wouldn't call it open world, but it really is, like, an adventure game, like, yeah, man. in, in yeah. the biggest sense. So, yeah, they've really hit home runs since it started. And this game we're about to get into might be the peak, so why don't we get right yeah. into it? Great, yeah, let's do it. All right, Jim Meehan, this is The Game of Your Life. adventure game developed and published by Nintendo released on the Nintendo 64 in November 1998. It was the first 3D Zelda game ever and received some of the best reception in gaming history, that is not hyperbole, tripling the previous pre-order record of any video game at the time of announcement. It's also the single highest rated game on Metacritic to this day. Yeah, so every time I do this rundown, it'll always say, it's one of the greatest games of all time, for the most part, because usually the games that stand out to people were considered like the best of their generation or at least yeah. top whatever. I really don't think this is hyperbole when people say it. If, if this is your still your favorite game of all time, it's not one you could sort of scoff at, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it genuinely, I don't think there's ever been a jump in quality before or since in, in the progression of video games. Mm-hmm. Like going from Link to the Past to... Ocarina of Time is just huge. Like the idea of the the whole. I'm gonna let you carry on. I'm just. I'm getting too. I'm getting too, I'm getting too into the idea of describing it. I can't really put into words just how blown away I was the first time I played it. Yeah, completely. And yeah. I, I had this. I had very similar feelings with Super Mario sixty four because yeah. that that was even more the or not more. But Mario was more the poster child to me. Yeah. And I'd never beaten Link to the Past, because again, those four years you have on me are sort of, in this time period, sort of important. Like, even the first few times I played Orc Arena, I was having a tough time beating it. Like, my dad would have to help me out and shit. So Mario 64 was like, almost like the kid's version of that advancement. Yeah. But then when you really, like, dive into the game and the amount of detail this game had, and the story it's able to tell, and the narrative, it, it really is, like, incredible. This came out in 98, like, yeah, <laughs> fuck's sake, it's and wild. And it still looks good to this day. I mean, I mean, the remaster looks incredible, but um, mm-hmm. but the N64 version still looks good. Yeah, I will try throughout this podcast to maybe differentiate the few thing, the few differences that the 3DS version came out with yeah. and the original. Uh, but let's start with the story and the characters. I always like to start within these. Uh, I let the game begins, and essentially, I don't even remember if it explains this in the prologue but your mom brings you to kokiri forest kakiri forest am i saying that right right off the top i'm gonna have trouble with kakiri and kakariko <laughs> uh but yeah she brings you there uh, during the midst of a civil war in hyrule hoping to like shelter you from the storm and you sort of join the kakiris in the forest as these kids that like never age and link yeah. link sort of just assumes in with their society assuming he's just one of the same sort of like will ferrell and elf I thought about yeah, earlier, like yeah. you don't, you don't, 
don't get told that at the beginning of the game. They tell you like this whole story about the history of Hyrule, but they don't tell you that you're not one of the Kakiri, mm-hmm. which is one of the joys of finding out that you aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the game does be, begin in that first person view of Navi, sort yeah. of heading from the Deku tree to find you. And right away, Navi is sort of like, I guess, your Jiminy Cricket or your, also your guide, like your actual like tip guide throughout the whole game. Yeah. But Such it's like a great a, character and so well used. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, even at the time, her journey from the Deku tree to Link's uh, treehouse, she bumps into the fence on the way <laughs> and then yeah. goes, ow, and then goes back and goes through. And it's subtleties like that that I don't think I'd really seen before in video games. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, this is, it, it felt like watching a film. Yeah, yeah, completely. And it would have been so easy to make Navi just sort of like a personality-less sort of like device. Yeah. Instead, they gave her, is it, I guess it's a her, uh, they gave it a ton of character, a ton of personality. Yeah. And, and like, it actually was its own side character as opposed to just being like, yeah, a mechanical device or like a hint box like you've seen in other games. And what they did so well on that game as well, they did it with, with Navi, but, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Sorry mm-hmm. if I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> uh, that's how I've always said it. Obviously, the N64 couldn't have full voice capabilities, so they just have subtle bits of dialogue or noise. And You're it's right. amazing how well they're used because they give the character so much personality. Mm-hmm. Like every time that there's a hint, just that, hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... hey, listen, is like one of the biggest takeaway like lines from this whole game. Because yeah. like you said, there are no lines. But you're right, in that same voice clip, it's like, you totally get what Navi is. Yeah. It's almost like the stressed-out parent or, like, the like the yeah. well-intentioned guide. Yeah. Um, so, basically, Navi takes you to the Deku tree, who you find out is cursed. And this tree looks awesome. Even as a kid, I was like... It's like an old man with a mustache, like, built onto the tree. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the Burt Reynolds of trees. Yeah, it looks sick. <laughs> and uh, he tells you Ganondorf's cursed him, and you basically got to go inside and fix him. Uh, this is your tutorial sort of... Uh, dungeon but it has a lot of important stuff it shows you how to like light cobwebs on fire to get by doors or like light all the torches in a room to open doors yeah. and this is shit that you'll see throughout the game it's sort of like just teaching you the puzzle mechanics in the game it's a really short dungeon probably can beat it in like 15 minutes yeah but it's still uh, it's in my it's well i know we're getting into our top dungeons later on but it's in my top three i'll just drop that now oh wow uh, because it's the intro i think the first mm-hmm. time you're going through a dungeon the, the joy that you get from it is just... Yeah, yeah, on top of the... You get the slingshot, which is your first real item. Yeah. And your the first boss fight is really cool. So, yeah, it is a great dungeon. And after this, uh, the tree basically sent, tells you to go find Zelda. And as well as giving you the Kakari Emerald or whatever they call it. That green stone yeah. that you need for later. And so, basically, that's it for Kakiri Forest. You're on your mission. And before leaving, you bump into Soraya, who you basically find out is your childhood friend, gives yeah. you your first ever Orcarina. And this won't be the cool one you get later. This is like a beat, beat, busted Orcarina. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, she looks like she made it out of wood. It's like when you get your first guitar, it's just some piece of shit that, <laughs> yeah. that your parents have found on the market. Like, yeah. It won't stay in tune. Yeah, this but is it, a, it'll do for now. This is a garage sale Orcarina for sure. And you also bump into the owl that you're going to meet throughout this entire game, too, just before you reach Hyrule Field. And I'm sure you, we've all had that same experience talking to this motherfucker. And he's just going to go on ad nauseum and you're just sort of clicking through. And at the end, it'll be like, did you catch everything? And while you're clicking, you click nope. And he repeats the whole thing over and over yeah. and over. 
I probably wasted like a legit hour of my life just doing that. <laughs> um, but he also is also cool. Like he comes with his own music, and it yeah. does, he does like have a cool personality. Uh, that introduces you to Hyrule Field. This is sort of the biggest part of the overworld. Um, it's pretty empty and barren, to be honest. You sort of you're gonna find yourself rolling across this thing yeah. as fast as humanly possible. Uh, I did like right away. You notice that the time is sort of moving, like it'll just turn into nighttime. Yeah. Throughout, like there's a clock built into the game, and at night the skeletons come out and attack you. <laughs> only in the only in the field do you see the time go like that, though. Like when you're actually in a town or a village, or but yeah, time, time doesn't move. Time freezes. Yeah. yeah, and that's important because in Hyrule, like in the city of Hyrule, um, like things are different at night. There's no yeah. one's out. Everyone's home. They're two sort of different. And again, that's a huge part of the game. It's almost like having two open worlds because. Everything is different at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shady yeah. characters are out. And so you're heading to Hyrule Castle basically to find Zelda. And this is sort of your first classic example of, like, hiding around the guards, around the shrub bushes and stuff. Yeah. But basically, so Zelda, what I like about Zelda right off the top, you meet her and she's, like, competent. She's not helpless. It's yeah. sort of a stark contrast to, like, a Princess Peach who's just getting captured constantly. Yeah. Like, she has information for you. She's got a place to send you. So I thought that was, like, all great off the top. And she's also Link's age, so she's sort of like, you know, this unlikely hero who's put in this yeah. position. Yeah. Uh, you also meet Impa at this point, who's, like, her guardian, I guess you'd call her. Yeah. And she's, like, mysterious and cool. Well, that's what I, I like about quite a lot of the characters in this game as well, is that... So Inka, obviously, is a, is a woman, mm. but the a lot of the characters are almost genderless. As in, like... As a kid, I couldn't tell whether some of them were male or female. I don't know. I love that about the game. Yeah, totally. So Impa sort of gets you out of there. I like that you don't have to go back through the guards. You're just out of there. And then you're heading to Death Mountain. Now, to get to Death Mountain, you got to go to Kakariko Village. And just by getting to this village, it's one of my favorite parts of the game because it sort of has the camera shots of the whole village showing you what it looks like, the music. You'll immediately remember if you've ever yeah. played this game. And you can sort of spend a lot of the game here just doing whatever you want, like exploring the village, exploring other areas. Someone's lost all their chickens, you got to get them back for them. Or you can go to the graveyard and find a hidden dungeon in the graves. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like, I love that, that in between the dungeons, it's like you can just sort of interact with the overworld. There's plenty of shit to do. Yeah, Kakariko Village is the, that's, for me, that was the, that was the big sort of like, oh my God, this game is amazing mm -hmm. like meeting the characters uh having the little side missions like so in, in that village you've also got the sculpture house oh, right. um, and you've also got the windmill uh and the well uh which comes to play later on you've got the potion shops you've got the guy that will buy anything as long as it's in a bottle all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right yeah it's like a living breathing village on its own like all the all the houses that are there you can enter they're not just like empty sort of shell houses yeah. Yeah, and so basically you go up, you give this letter of acceptance Zelda's given you, climb up to Death Mountain. This is where you meet the Gorons in the Goron village. What did you think of the Gorons the first time you set eyes on these things? Man, they're, they're just really good characters. And again, the, yeah. the noises and the music in their... Um, it suits it so well. The music that's played in the, the place where they live, I think, inside Death Mountain. Yeah, Goron uh, Cave or whatever. Uh, yeah, man, they're just the happiest, dumbest... Mm. big lugs that you could have in the game aren't they really I love them yeah they're cheerful and like I think the first time you see one because they'll curl up and look like rocks yeah and so then he just stands up and you're like oh what the fuck <laughs> they all look, <laughs> they all look totally amorphous 
and like sort of genderless, like you were saying, they all look the same. Yeah, and they've got again. They've got those great voice samples for all of them as well, which is just the ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so eventually, you meet the king. He sort of gives you a lot of information. There's a lot to a lot of running around here, but it leads you to Dodongo's cavern, and this is sort of like it, it's also like a preliminary temple, but it sort of shows you the scope. Unlike the Deku tree, this isn't like as linear. It sort of shows you like there's six different doors you can go through at the beginning and. You yeah. sort of got to figure out your own path. Yeah, man. And where you yeah. got to go. And going certain ways and then coming back in a sort of a Metroidvania way, but in 3D. Yeah, completely. Uh, right. And most of the dungeons will act the same in that, like, there's a big item you got to find in it. And this is sort of similar for all Zelda's. And once you find that item, then the other half of the dungeon becomes accessible. Yeah. So in this case, you get your bomb bag. Now you can blow all those doors you weren't able to blow up before. Yeah. And yeah, it's another great dungeon. And yeah, that, again, so the game's sort of like leading you down this way. you got to find one more jewel, or emerald, I don't know what they're called. And that leads you to the Zora's Palace. And by this point, it's sort of cool, because you know, like, you've got your humans here, you've got, like, your Hy Hylians, uh, like, there's this whole army, but then there's, like, the Gorons, the Zoros. Yeah. And there's, it's like a whole universe they've managed to create here that was, like, pretty new. I guess they technically had Zoras and Link to the Past, but, like... Yeah. They did, they expanded their universe, like, tenfold here. Yeah, and what I love about Zelda games as well is just as Link changes, whether it's animation style, whether it's what it looks like, uh, whether it's shape, uh, the Zoras, the Gorons, they change in all of the games as well. They're not, like... The Zoras in other games look entirely different to the Zoras... Totally. In the N64 games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess there, there's a lot of, like, running around in between the dungeons or just things. I don't know. It's it's almost not... It's never very clear what you have to do. I sort of don't know how I figured it out. And this is the biggest example of once you get past the Zora King, which is already one thing, you have to figure out how to enter Jabu Jabu's belly. Yeah. Which is by capturing a fish in, like, some shallow water and just leaving the fish in front of him. I don't know how we all figured out how to do this without the internet, or maybe the internet was just around <laughs> at the time, but it's like, what a, I don't know, what I, a run I around. Actually, I don't know if you could class this as cheating, but with Zelda, when I got that for Christmas, I also got the Prima strategy guide. Of course. Uh, which I've still got, by the way, and I checked online, they're worth like 120 odd quid each now. Oh, holy shit, wow. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they don't make them anymore, but uh, that just had everything in it, like mm. sculpture. It was essentially like an IGN walkthrough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if the developers like built parts of this game with that in mind. You know, yeah, like, yeah. we'll sell a lot of those fucking books. Because, <laughs> but it that leads me to one of maybe I'll I'll give a spoiler. One of my favorite dungeons here in Jabu Jabu, uh, just because of how it looked, how everything was like it was a dungeon inside of a whale. It was so cool, and and sort of the narrative of like Ganondorf's curse this whale. That's why it's full of enemies. That's why yeah. parts of him are like infected. It all followed from a narrative sense, as well as you're sort of saving the princess from the belly of the whale. So a big part of the dungeon is like carrying her around and like using her to open doors and stuff like that. Yeah, and I like the um, like the sinew and the muscles that you have to hit and uh, the, <laughs> yeah. big, like, the little things to open doors inside. Doors, I guess, are technically like... I guess it's like a, a trachea pipe or something. I don't know. But yeah. 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 Whenever you threw anything at the walls, like blood would come out and stuff. Yeah. Because you're yeah. like, you're in a whale. Yeah. I just loved it. Um, so yeah, beat that. Got your three stones. Time to go to the Temple of Time. And this sort of unlocks the Master Sword, I guess. Yeah. Which 
I, I don't know if I was expecting the Master Sword there when I was first playing it. Like, if they made that clear that you need the sword or just, like, collect the stones and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. The, the Master Sword is, like, the key element in pretty much all of, them. Every, all of them, isn't it? So I think finding the Master Sword for the first time was, yeah, it's one of them things, isn't it? And it's pulling the sword from the stone as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's completely it. It's um, cool as fuck. It always is. And in this case, so what you find out is that young Link would have been overwhelmed by the power of the sword. So you were sort of kept in carbon in place for seven years yeah. in this temple. To you, it feels like an instant. But you're transported seven years in the future. You're now adult Link, and you enter Dark Hyrule. Like, the world's been <laughs> totally fucked up in your absence. Yeah, it's Back to the Future too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is when Raru... I, I, we're going to fuck up some pronunciations in yeah, this. Yeah. But Raru, uh, who turns out to be the guy who is inhabiting the owl... Like the Owl Man, the, yeah. the what are they called? The Sage of Light. He basically explains to you all of that, and it's like now you got to go to these six six temples, save these seven sages, and beat Ganondorf himself. And it's sort of like it feels like this is almost where the real game begins in a sense. Like yeah. you could almost take the kid portion as a very long tutorial, very tough tutorial. But... I'd, I'd say that, but I'd say they combine them really well because the whole point of having the sword is that. Well, I've never seen it in a game before. You time travel. You can go back to being a kid whenever you want. Mm -hmm. uh, right, exactly. You can go back and set stuff up. And so much of what you do as a kid reflects in the future. Like You need to become friends with a pony of the horse as a child. Otherwise, you can't get a pony of the horse as an adult. Yeah, completely. Uh, and stuff like that, right, just as a concept, is was batshit crazy. In 1998, in a 3D game involving time travel <laughs> where you have to set stuff up in the past... For it to work in the future, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, and they pulled it all off. Uh, it's funny you brought up Epona, because uh, before the temples here, I wanted to go through that as the only sort of side stuff we'll cover here. But, yeah. Oh, no, you've got to cover fishing. Fishing, right. But I'm more, yeah, yeah more mechanically. But, <laughs> um, yeah, as far as, like, a side story, that might be, like, the biggest side quest you get in the game. Yeah. And if you want to call it a side I don't really view them as side quests. more just, like, if you're just exploring and adventuring and yeah. shit's happening. Um, but you find out in the seven years you've been gone, because like you said, you've met, uh, you've been here before to Lon Lon Ranch. You've met Epona. Epona was younger. What's the girl's name that um, owns her? Oh, Malin. Malin, yes. Yeah. The sweetest girl ever. Uh, even sweeter than Zelda. She just seems like could never hurt a fly. <laughs> and they just have this ranch and everything's nice. And when you come back seven years later, this total piece of shit owns it. Yeah, um, he's the guy that worked, that worked there originally when he was a kid. Right, and yeah, and he was a piece of shit back then too. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, don't even look at Epona. I'm going to give that to Ganondorf as a present. Like, I run this place now. Yeah. And you challenge him to a race, beat him, and then he tries to lock you out. And then you have this sort of awesome scene where you, like, jump the fence of the ranch with yeah. Epona. And from that point on, it's just your horse. Yeah, land in the field. Mm. Does the thing where she gallops back on two legs, and then you're like, right, well, th this is incredible. Yeah, completely. Not only incredible just for the imagery and stuff, but also you don't have to roll across Hyrule Field anymore. No. This is a much quicker way to transport Link. And I guess it's a sort of weird side quest as well, that from that moment, uh, it, you can shoot the pose and catch them in the... The bottles. bottles and sell them. And mm -hmm. I guess that, that that they're the only side mission type things I could more than anything, is the collectibles. So, like, the sculptures. Yeah, completely. Things like that. Uh, there's a lot, and, of course, the heart containers, probably yeah. being the biggest one. Um, and the magic beans. 
<laughs> right, of course. Which lead to the Scalchulas. It's another weird one. Or no, the beans don't. But if you capture bugs and put them where you're supposed to plant the beans, a yep. golden Scalchula pops out. And again, like, how would you ever know that if you weren't <laughs> told that directly? Um, but yeah, it, it is just cool to see the link you were at the very start of the game, this kid with a slingshot, and now fast forward and you're this adult with, like, arrows riding yeah. a horse. It's pretty crazy how far your characters comes along, even by this point. Uh, and that's when you have to start going through all the temples. I'm not going to go in, into any of them ad nauseum, but if you, if you have any specific things you want to bring up about them, the forest temple comes first. You meet Soraya, who, of course, your childhood friend is now the sage of the forest. Yeah. Really good boss and battle. Asshole blocking the way up to the temple, which was always really those those like giant dogs with muscles. Oh man! You're like if you look at them, they run at you and knock you into the water. Yeah, that gave me anxiety as they're a like, kid. They were like the hardest guys in the whole game, harder than some boss battles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to get through, it was sort of like the getting by the guards on steroids. Um, but yeah, so that was that temple, really good temple. The second one was Darunia, of course. The Goron King is the Sage of yeah. Fire. I like that the temple's basically in a volcano. You have to get a special fire tunic to even be able to handle the heat of this level. Yeah. Which is something else cool about this game. Like, all of your equipment scales up eventually. Yeah, and the fact that you need to use different equipment in different areas, that's the only thing that really holds you back from moving to the next part of the game. Yeah. It's used really well. Yeah, completely. Um, I think you can do some temples out of order. Right. It would be pretty tough, and I don't know yeah. why you'd want to. Um, it doesn't really call for it or give you anything. The Fire Temple has my second favourite um, boss battle as well. It's the dragon that comes out of the lava. Oh, the yeah. Lava, so you have to hit it with so the So cool. Yeah, that hammer, I wish it leaves. A, I wish it was just a bit better or a bit longer, because I would have loved to use that more. Yeah. But it just doesn't make sense to. No. Uh, finally, Princess Rudo is the princess, or not the princess, the sage of water at the water temple. Shittest temple in the world. I mean, you could do a podcast on the water <laughs> temple alone, man. Yeah. I guarantee oh, man, that. that was, the I, I don't know how anyone completed that temple without a guide. <laughs> I found it difficult and I had a guide. Mm -hmm. Like the first time. I, yeah, it's it's just the worst. I beat it once, but it was like notepad and paper. And I sort of like drew a diagram of the doors I'd been in before. And then it just right. became literal trial and error. Yeah. Going here with the water at this level, here with the water at this level. And man, yeah. But it, it did it was very satisfying too. Like like I brought up Mario sixty four earlier and nothing gave me as much satisfaction in a game like that yeah. as you do from beating the water temple. Specifically Dark Link. Um I thought was such a cool part of the game the first time you see Dark Link. Yeah. When he does the uh, when you go to stab him and he flips up a lance on your sword. So awesome. <laughs> um but yeah, that temple, fuck. Unforgettable. Finally, Impa is at the the Sage of Shadows. Yeah, um, temple from the Shadow the Temple. Of the Not one of my favorite temples. Um, uh, I I actually really like that temple, mm. but I don't like the hover boots. I don't. I just I just not a fan of them. But I love the lens of truth which you use in that temple to reveal like secret doors and secret items. And I think the Shadow Temple has my favorite boss battle in the game. Oh, cool! Yeah, Bongo Bongo is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Nabura, the Sage of Spirit, cheese. That's a cool, cool side story with the Gerudos in the desert. And again, introduces like this whole other faction to the world. Yeah. And they're basically like an all-female warrior sort of group that work for Ganondorf. Yeah. Nabura being her second in command. But she's starting the revolution very silently and you know, has already put pieces against Ganondorf. Yeah. And that's how you sort of come in contact with her. And you also see in, in that part of the game, what's so cool is the... Um... 
the carpenters and the uh, and the carpenters' dad or boss. I don't know if he's the dad or the boss. Right. They look the same. <laughs> but they were in Kakariko Village as kids, and then they're building a oh. bridge when you're adults, but they've been kidnapped, so you have to save them all. Oh, I didn't um, even put that together. That's great. Yeah. That's, I love stuff like that. And then finally, you guessed it, the seventh sage, Zelda herself, as per usual. I think that also happened in Link to the Past, but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she was hiding and pretending to be Shake. Yeah, and that's revealed here at the end, at the Temple of Time. I remember, like, I, again, dumb kid at the time, but this floored me. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. No way. Didn't Zelda's see, been there all the time. <laughs> didn't see it coming at all. Because like you, I thought Sheik was sort of this, like, I didn't even think it was a female, um, yeah. and yeah, it just caught me out of left field. As an adult now, I think it's pretty silly that I got caught off, off yeah. guard, but it was a great reveal for that reason. Uh, Sheik also sort of quickly explains the Triforce to you, and that it's supposed to be equal parts power, wisdom, and courage, yeah. and that when the wrong person sort of takes control, if they're too focused in one, one sort of portion, it'll fracture like it has. So she's basically telling you the power is residing in Ganondorf. The wisdom residing in her and the courage is with you and now you got to bring it all together and at that moment ganondorf steals zelda so i guess it is sort of mario-esque there but again <laughs> not not the same and it leads up to the final showdown um at this point you can do all the other side shit you want to in the game yeah um you can level up your magic bars you can level up a lot of your items you've you... got the golden gauntlets after doing part of the castle mm -hmm. yeah uh, which means you can pretty much pick up anything which is cool. As well as uh, the giant Goron sword, I think it's called. The Biggeron sword. The Biggeron sword, yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't like, by the way. I, I would have rathered some side quests be you can power up the Master Sword even more. Right. As opposed to, like, introduce a sword that's just better than the Master Sword. I'm like, I thought the Master Sword's meant to be the peak shit, like... Yeah, so it had double the power, because it was double the size, but you couldn't use the shields, which was meant to be the, the thing that leveled it out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I... I so I love the bigger and sword because you don't really need the shield unless the DQ scrubs are shooting those things at you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a stupid. I agree with you that it's a stupidly powerful item when the master sword is meant to be like the ultimate sword. Yeah, just narrative wise, I'm yeah. like, come on, that's the yeah. sword. Uh, but in and especially in the final battle because the Ganondorf is a two part battle. Uh, you beat him at first just by doing the classic like he he throws energy at you and you hit it back at yeah, him. It's like, a cool little mini game. Mm-hmm. And they did it in the Forest Temple too, as well as uh, that's how you beat him in Link to the Past. Yeah. So it, it was a nice callback also. And then he sort of uses the Triforce to turn himself into Ganon, the evil like war pig, I guess you'd call him. Yeah. And it's funny because he knocks your Master Sword out of your hand at the beginning of the battle. But if you got the Big Oron Sword, you can just equip that and just beat him in like three or four hits or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, I think it's sm you smash the tail, don't you? And then. Yeah. Yeah, smash the tail a few times. And then there's this awesome, pretty graphic scene where Link stabs him in the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, that's like, that's how he wins in the end. It's just yeah. like this cute game, and then it's just like, fuck you, mate. Yeah, you are dead. <laughs> it was pretty awesome, pretty final. And, I mean, that's it. That's the end of the game, happily ever after. 
I'm just, I was just thinking when you were saying a minute ago, and then he turns into, I guess you could say, a giant war pig. Yeah. That's a kid in my head. Imagine if someone's listening to this podcast who never heard of Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the whole room through of that game, they would have just been like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we covered it, you know? That is a pretty funny Cliff Notes version of Orcarina of Time. Yeah, man. But, but you got all the good beats of it. And uh, yeah, so ultimately, like, I think the story is pretty simple and pretty straightforward. I mean, it, it does turn into one of those games of, like, go save the seven people. But yeah. it all makes sense narrative-wise. It all sort of one thing leads to another. And it's all, they make you care about these characters because you've met them already yeah. throughout the game. If they were just a random, like... And I actually, I'll tell you what my, one of my favorite side quests was that we've not said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Happy Mask Shop. Oh, the yeah. first introduction of that, of selling the masks, finding the right people to sell the masks to, and then having free selection of them all. But just mm-hmm. the last bit of finding the uh, the marathon runner in the field with the bunny ears. Oh, right. the bunny ears. Yeah, and I love the bunny ears as a shout. I always took it as a Mario 64 shout-out, Yeah, uh, which yeah. I just thought was cool. There were a few shout-outs in this. Um, like, if you... Th- I remember when you first meet Zelda, if you shoot your slingshot into the window... Right. Well, it's either Mario or Luigi or someone. Or it might be Bowser throws a bomb out of the window at you. Oh, really? Like, you see them You see them in the window for a second. Right. Yeah. So, and Nintendo always does shit like that, which I sort yeah. of like. Um, but yeah, so that that was a story and character, or characters. Let's go into the gameplay now. And we did sort of cover a lot of it in that section, too. Um, but as I said off the top, it's the first 3D entry. I can't imagine how tough that was to navigate. Just as, like... A, like, this game hadn't really, a game like this hadn't really been done before, period. No. So for them to, like, it's such a lofty, ambitious goal. And to fit it on a cartridge as well is just mm. insane. Yeah, and that's before they were doing, like, the Donkey Kong, like, extended cartridge thing on the N64. Yeah, the expansion pack <laughs> that you put in the front. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought that alone, when you consider that it was a first attempt, it's still super smooth, super accessible, like... It, it, you were never able to jump in a game. I'm, I don't need like this crazy action sequences. Like it's realistic, you know. Yeah, it's the gameplay is the thing that makes the game. Like the i the idea that if if someone would have said to me beforehand, oh, you can't jump in it, it just does it automatically. I'd be like, what what the fuck are you talking about? Sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. But it works so well. Um, it's the first proper game that I remember with the targeting system, which I just think is revolutionary for a, a 3D game. Where you hold Z. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just the fact that you can focus on one thing and like strafe around it. Yeah, uh, I love that. It just, just worked so well. Maybe it had been done in games before, but it never felt like such a complete mechanic before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to target in, and then it feels more like a one-on-one battle too. Yeah. Like you're parrying and you're doing backflips and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, the combat was, like, really well done. And then, again, the more items you get introduced, the more different ways you have to fight different people. Um, yeah, I thought all that shit was great. Uh, what have I got here? Uh, I like that the yeah the items and songs that you acquire, like, they not only propel the story, but they make different parts of the map, like, accessible. Like, yeah. You can only get into secret dungeons if you know, like, I think one was, like, the Sun Song, or one was, like, the Song of Storms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think all that's done to perfection in this game we talked about the collecting to do throughout uh, one one thing i that annoyed me is like you got the scalchula house and so every 10 gold scalchulas there's a reward of some sort and it's cool like because it's like you know you might even forget you've been doing it and then three yeah. temples later you get all these rewards <clears throat> but and there's a hundred in total in the game but at level 50 i think is when you get your big wallet 
I want to say is that... 40 is the big wallet. Okay, do you and remember 50? 50 is something... It might just be a hard something container. Something terrible, I think, in comparison to... Because the big wallet is like one of the best items in the game. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like having money on you. <laughs> yeah, at uh, all times. I, it might just be a heart container, come to think of yeah. it. Um, but again, there's if, nothing for the last 50, is there? No, if you get all 100, or yeah, all 100, you get 200 rupees. <laughs> Which I'm like, why would they introduce it? Like, yeah. I don't know. I would have liked some sort of, maybe like a gold sculptula mask for Link. Even if it yeah, did something. nothing. Yeah, yeah, just something that's, uh, that you can see. Like a trophy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like 200 rupees almost feels like a slap in the face if you... Not that I ever did this. I've yeah. never... I don't know about you, but I've never collected all 100 scalculas. I've always got to the point where I get the big wallet and then <laughs> just any that I see, I'll, I'll try and get, but I'm not too fussed after that. Yeah, because again, that, that also requires finding every dirt patch in this game and putting a bug in every single one. Yeah, and just traveling to and from time and getting like the past <laughs> and the future and finding the right items and playing the right songs and going to obscure locations. Yeah. And yeah, it's really hard yeah completely yeah um i i did like collecting heart containers a lot more because it's a pretty tangible reward yeah and a lot of the time it was like mini games to do to get to them or like when you got to play a song for those frogs on the logs <laughs> I, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. as a kid i really liked that <laughs> so there was a bit more like creativity with the different things you could do um yeah we talked about the side quests and we brought them up we didn't bring up fishing um which is genuinely i would have really liked if it if they released that as a game on its own it's <laughs> a mini game so you're a like, huge fishing fan on it yeah. like i i cannot tell you the amount of time that i spent in that fishing hole yeah <laughs> uh, and there's so many little bits like the guy who works there ages so when you get older he's wearing a hat but it's because he's lost his hair and you can cast the fishing line at him and pull his hat off. Oh my God! Really? But he, yeah, but I've like, never char- heard that. Yeah, yeah, but he, char- he charges you money if you lo- if you lose his hat in the pond because he can't get it back. <laughs> and then he's just, he, he, I think he charges you fifty rupees for a new hat. Oh, um, that's But he so just funny. never wears it. He's just bald from that moment on. Mm-hmm. And it's got so, there's the little so in every single fishing game, pretty much, I think anyway, Zelda fishing game. Um, there's one fish in every lake of the Hylian Loach. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which looks a bit like an eel. Yeah. And it's incredibly difficult to catch. Right. So on the fishing game on Ocarina of Time, you have to find the sinking law, which is illegal, but then you chat to the guy and he'll let you use it, but not to keep any records. But you need the sinking law to catch the Hylian loach, which is really difficult to catch in the first place. Right. And then when you finally got it, you've just got this, like, that's your achievement, is the fact that, Yes, I've caught a Hylian loach. Oh, so there's no, like, big item or anything? No. Nope. Oh, wow. But is it in your inventory, at least? No. Nope. You... Oh, so you just... It was like it's an achievement, the... essentially. Yeah, it's just... It's essentially you're doing it for the fact that you can say you've done it. Okay. I like that with games. I don't, I don't know many people that have caught it, which mm. is... Uh, it's one of the only things that I... When I replayed uh, Ocarina of Time this year on the 3DS, it's one of the only things that I made sure I did again. <laughs> uh, wow, that is dedication. Yeah. And it's such a good mini game. Like the the mechanics, um, the excitement of having it on the line and not knowing whether it's going to get away and turning the rod the right way when it's swimming to it. <laughs> like they, it's just such a complete mini game as itself. And the music. Right. The fishing hole music. So I've got an Oculus Quest 2 now, mm. and there's a fishing game on that called Real VR Fishing. And it's so relaxing. But the best thing about the game by a mile 
is you can open up YouTube on a browser while you're fishing, play whatever you want, then minimize the browser so it disappears and it keeps playing. So you can put whatever music you want on, but there's a there's a YouTube video <laughs> that is 10 hours of the Zelda fishing music. Of course. So I play that, minimize it, and then I sit there fishing. Go fishing. Oh, oh man. man. It's so... It's, it's just one of the greatest inventions of all time. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, man, because, yeah, in this game, you got to catch a specific fish, usually over, like, 10 pounds. Yeah. And the number one prize is the gold scales, which allow you to dive even longer than before. Yeah. And, and I should say as well, I have no interest in fishing in real life. Right. <laughs> like, I don't go fishing. I've never really... I think yeah. I went a few times as a kid, so that was... But yeah, that's the harvest moon phenomenon. It's yeah. like no one that liked that game would ever go farming. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the interesting thing when you're getting the golden scales is that lat will open the path to getting three more heart containers somewhere else in the game. Yeah. So that's sort of what I meant earlier was like one item will allow you to get like another item, which will allow you to get like four collectibles. So yeah. you're almost like you ha you sort of have to get every item in this game. To I only, get every I only remember one that gets you the heart container with dive in. I'm sure there was more, but I mean, the one that I remember is diving to the bottom of the pool in that scientist lab. Right, yeah. Um, when you get to the bottom, he's like, you, holy shit, you got to the bottom. No one's meant to be able to do that. Have a heart container. <laughs> I'm always wondering why these people, it's like, you know I'm trying to save the world. Just give me your fucking heart container, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, help me out. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. Game, the game would have been a lot shorter if just all of Hyrule just piled on Ganon. <laughs> yeah, just beat the shit out of him as soon as he left the castle. Uh, I would say in this game, to me, the dungeons are the biggest strength of the game. I don't think it's too crazy to... I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. As far as just like having fun playing it, that was always the most memorable part. That was the biggest yeah. levels of satisfaction I got coming out of it. Um, Definitely. So. But I'd say what makes the dungeons so appealing as well is the sort of open world nature, like the journey between them as well. Totally. It's, it's sort of like, it paints it as a world, not just a set of dungeons. For sure, yeah. yeah. It's collaborative. And like, yeah, I, I was annoyed sometimes in between by like the sort of illogical leaps on how to get to the dungeon, but I am happy those portions exist because yeah. it made it more of a story. It's not just like the fire dungeon, then to the water, yeah. Yeah. Not like levels. Uh, I would say the bosses are never really the strength of the dungeon, or it's sort of like, they're never extremely tough, I would say. No. Like, they're never tougher than actually getting to them. It almost feels like a victory lap at the end of the dungeon. Yeah, it's more like, um, I don't know, just a cool thing to watch, because they always look pretty pretty good, don't they, in comparison to like some of the bits of the game. Yeah, completely. But you don't get as much satisfaction beating a boss as you get from like figuring out how to get to the next part of the dungeon. Yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah, when you find the big key, or when you find like the item you're meant to have, yeah. you're like, oh, finally, like I got there. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, like the water temple we brought up already, but the, it would it would become frustrating to me as a kid. Like I would spend so much time in dungeons just going in circles. And when you walk into like the same room for like the sixth time, you're just like, fuck this, man. Like, yeah, I'm going to play something else. Yeah, it gets. Uh, I did that. Actually, it's a different game, but with Final Fantasy eight, which is my favorite Final Fantasy. Just uh, I know that's going out on a limb. Right, right. Uh, but. <laughs> I think I, it was it was four discs on the first PlayStation, and I was halfway through the third disc and I couldn't get past a bit and it was doing my absolute tree and yeah. so I was like fuck this and I just I, I was I was like kids who just throw the fucking controller at the wall <laughs> and I turned it off and I didn't play it for about a year and a half mm. and then just on a whim one night I was bored and I just put it in and I just got past it first time. Of course, as and these things work. Things, yeah, and that's the type of thing that would happen in the Water Temple. Yeah, completely. 
Um, one other thing I just thought of too, I like, because I always liked the bottles in Link to the Past, how important yeah. like these gla glass bottles felt. And then when you had when you went into a temple with four fairies in the bottle, you're like, I'm set. Yeah. This game sort of took it to a next level where like, not only was your finding bottles again, but you can put anything in them between fish or bugs or milk. fairies or milk. Yeah. yeah. Or even the pose you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I just thought it was like, so yeah, that worked in the last game. How could we, yeah. how could we enhance that and not fuck it up? And they did it. So shout out to the bottles and <laughs> Legend of Zelda. Congrats to the Japanese guy that thought of using bottles that way. Hell yeah. Um, oh, and someone someone brought up to me too, you know in the when you're trading energy with those boss battles? Yeah. You can do that with an empty bottle. Instead of swinging your sword, if you use the bottle, it hits it back. Weird. I didn't know that. That's cool. Weird. I imagine that, that would be harder just because of the, the length of the bottle. Probably, yeah. Unless, unless yeah, I you're know. smacking it. That'd be cool. Should let you do it with any item. Do it with a fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving on from the gameplay, let's go on to the graphics and the sound. This game is a rare case to me of like half the time the music is just sort of ambient. You're almost not even meant to notice it, like when yeah. you're in dungeons and stuff. But then the other half, it's like when you're in Hyrule Field or when you're in Kakarika Village, like yeah. it's the most memorable music, like to this day. When the sun first comes up, that little. Duh, duh. Yeah, it's so good. And yeah. that's not even bringing up the Ocarina songs, yeah. which not only manage to all be like pretty good in their own right, but like they have different... They're able to be provided meaning to based on the scenes they're using and the things they can cause to happen. Yeah, um, It's not my favourite music in the game, though. My favourite music in the game, still to this day, because they combined it with sound effects so well, is the title intro. And when you first put the game in, oh when, yeah, when it asks you to press start, it's you running on a pony at night time over a hill in a high real field, and the piano comes in just like and you can hear a pony's hooves, and it's the most right. If if anyone is listening to this now, just go onto YouTube and type in uh, Ocarina of Time title music. It's so relaxing. It's so good. Yeah, and it sets the tone for. It's like I don't know why it's so perfect, but it's one of those ones that gets better with age. Yeah, because now that you can watch it twenty years later or whatever, you're like, oh man, I'm yeah. back. And it's also one of those because the songs are so simple in terms of melody that they've been covered and recreated or remade by Nintendo. Like I remember with Skyward Sword on the Wii, um, you got a CD that was an orchestra playing right. Zelda songs, mm -hmm. and it's amazing listening to Ocarina of Time being played by an orchestra. Um, have you ever heard of the Ocarina of Rhyme online? I don't think so, no. Oh, you would love it, man. This, what is it? These guys' team teamwork just took Zelda songs and mashed them up with rap lyrics. Right. <laughs> and there's this one with Jay-Z and the Owl song. It's just like, I'll play it for you after the thing, but it's yeah. awesome. It's great. Um, but that's how I know. These songs will like, live in infamy when I first heard that. Because this was like 2006 in high school or whatever. Yeah. And I heard those songs and I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> other people feel the same way about this music that I do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was great. And then as far as the graphics, it's almost like right on the edge of doesn't hold up, but I'd say it does hold up. Even the original N64, I don't think there's anything too embarrassing or no, shoddy. No, it's, it's a bit glitchy in places, but I, I honestly, unless you were there living through it, God, that makes me sound so fucking old. <laughs> uh, 98, I, I can't, I can't really put into words just how next level it was at the time. And it wasn't just the the good graphics. It was the gameplay. That it was all of it combined. 
it genuinely felt like a next generation of video game, which I don't think I've I felt ever again. Uh, that's a bit sad, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, like, don't get me wrong, I love video games. But well, we've never that, had that, that was leap. The first, that was the first time where it genuinely felt like that huge leap. Maybe the first time I lived in London for a bit, and it's when I first got my Xbox 360, playing Gears of War, but online with my friends. Right. Maybe that was the closest I've come to it, but I think that was just the idea of, it was the first time I'd played a game co-op where you're chatting to your friends mm-hmm. that are at the other side of the country. Well, and it's a it's yeah. a similar technological leap, I guess is what you mean. Yeah. Because even from Nintendo to Super Nintendo, if we were like a bit older, I'm sure we would have been fucking blown away by that. Yeah. But you can look at it retrospectively and it's not, that's not half as big as the one from Super Nintendo to N64. Yeah. And after that point, it became so incremental that it's like, okay, we went from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 3. That's about an equal level. Yeah. But the PlayStation 2 made it seem more gradual. Um, so it was never less gradual than from the Super Nintendo to that generation. I think that's why. I don't think, yeah. we'll, I don't think we'll ever see a leap like that until they nail VR. And then it's like yeah. you're, you're playing Oblivion in real life. And then it's I, like, was, I was blown away by, by the Oculus Quest. I, I bought one after playing my mates. Oh, right, and okay. Is, um, the games aren't there yet, as in like lengthwise, but in terms of an experience and being in a VR environment, it is a hundred times better than I thought it'd be. Right. Prior to playing on one, I wouldn't have said VR is the future, but after mm. playing one, I might. Like, if they get this right, this will be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, because I mean, you, you, it's so easy to see like uh, in a few years down the road, Nintendo putting it out and your Link playing Ocarina of Time. Yeah, like that's the next level. It seems. Yeah, like because I, I was gonna say like with the 3DS, I don't think we ever need a remake of this game now, and yeah. I think if they did it, it would just be a cash grab. Because they've yeah. sort of perfected it. It is like a pretty flawless game as it stands. That's one of the things I think you can always count on Nintendo with doing though. They don't make a, re- a remake unless it's Warranted. going to be good. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I had written here is the design of a lot of the things. Like the temples were really cool and distinctive, which I appreciated. Yeah. As well as the bosses. You could tell they all looked pretty fucking cool. And like designed well, especially Ganondorf. This was your first introduction to 3D Ganondorf. Like, yeah, man. And he sort of looked like a pretty generic lackey in Link to the Past. I, I rebeat it pretty recently. And it's okay. not like he stands out particularly tough as opposed to the other bosses in the game. In this game, it's like, oh, that's the big bad. Yeah, the first time you see him. Like, especially yeah. when he's on his dark horse and he like hits you with lightning or whatever. Yeah, throws you to the ground. <laughs> yeah, so all that, all that was cool. Let's go into the last part of this game. I always talk about it, the legacy factor. The older I get, the more I look back and appreciate the risks companies were willing to take. Yeah. Because this is a huge fucking swing. It totally could have failed. Yeah, and yeah. Well, I, I remember I used to, this was back when you'd buy video game magazines. Mm. Um, and I think it was a Nintendo magazine that gave it 97%, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Which I've been buying that for years, and I don't think any game had ever got over like ninety one or ninety two. It's funny Nintendo's ranking their own. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. You look back at it now, and you're like, they're paid to say that the games are good, mm-hmm. but they also like properly panned games as well. Well, then, like, yeah, the N sixty four Superman game is one of the worst games ever made, <laughs> and I think they gave it something like fifteen percent. I love that. Well, if they can be honest, then I'm willing to yeah. listen. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say though, just being the first game is that what gives this the long shadow? 
say say Majora's Mask had come out first and this came out afterwards, doesn't make real sense if you played those games. But for the sake of argument, let's just say that happened. Would Majora's Mask be the one everyone talks about as the groundbreaking first ever, or would Ocarina still stand out as like everyone's preferred sort of entry? Because I do think most people prefer Ocarina. So I think Majora's Mask is up there. It's I fucking it's, love it too. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's as good, if maybe just a little bit maybe a little bit less. Actually I said off the top of the podcast I go back and forth actually. Yeah. It's it is really tough. But again, yeah, I think if Majora's Mask did come out first, then there would be a different conversation to have because we'd seen it in Ocarina already. So mm. we were we were enjoying the game, but We'd already seen the graphics and the gameplay on a previous game now. Mm-hmm. So if Majora's Mask did come out first, no doubt we would have all been like, holy fuck. Right, right. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Yeah, that that initial factor would be more. But I think Majora's yeah. also, and not that this is a Majora podcast, but I think it succeeded in its own right just by like providing enough new shit that it was yeah. like... I think it was more adult. I think it was mm-hmm. more diff- like, a lot more difficult as well. Yeah, like, there's certain the bits themes. of the game that I remember hating at the time, but again, I I've, I I recompleted that on the 3DS uh, about six months ago. You do a lot of stuff in lockdown when you've got free time, um, <laughs> yeah. and I and I actually enjoyed it the second time round, but I hated it the first time round. It was the fact that you have to keep your money in the bank or you lose it. Oh yeah, um, when you restart the day. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely hated that as a kid. But it was actually it's quite it's actually a really good mechanic. Yeah, and a good life lesson. Yeah. It teaches you to, you know, you won't Always drink put it your away money in the bank before you travel back in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, with this, I mean that's pretty much the game. I did ask for your three top threes, which we'll yeah. get into, and we didn't spoil a whole lot of them, so I'm glad. Just little tastes of it. But uh, let's start with your three favorite dungeons. You start with your third, then I'll do mine and so on. Right. Uh, third for me is the fire temple um because you get the hammer uh which i at the time just the idea of wielding a hammer was i mean it was Mm -hmm. it was a letdown but the idea of getting the hammer and it's got my favorite boss uh, uh, one of my favourite bosses, maybe, but in in the dragon, the flying dragon. Right, I, I, the hammer does look very cool when you use it. When yeah. you're when you're hitting in buttons you weren't able to before. The rusted buttons, yeah. It's or such breaking a good rocks, yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, I have Jabu Jabu's belly, which I did say was one of my three, yeah. uh, for all the reasons we stated. I thought it was great. Yeah. 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 Number two. Right, I'm gonna put DQ Tree as number two. Hell yeah. Um, well, I love it. It's the introduction to the game. Um, it's your first time experiencing the mechanics of it. Um, your first boss fight in three D. Great boss um, fight, by the way. I forget if we yeah, didn't it's a really say good that earlier, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like having to kill the little ones and then figuring out to hit the. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I go number two, the forest temple. Um, yeah. I just thought there was like, it, it was cool. Like, it, I guess they'd already sort of done like the nature one with the Deku tree, so it was like it was a proper temple. But yeah. just all the puzzles, the twisted corridors, the like... That's... Having to defeat the four pose to get to Phantom Ganon. Yeah, yeah. and then the Phantom really Ganon fight itself is so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot to love in that temple. Um, right, number one. Number one. I think, I know you said you didn't like it, but I, replaying it again, I loved it. Mine is the Shadow Temple. Hell yeah. And just because of what you were saying? Uh... Um, so I just like... The mystery of it, like the the hidden items, 
I think it's got the right level of difficulty. I, I like the hover boots in theory. I didn't like the mechanics of them. The whole, like, uh, when you stop, you carry on sort of skidding. Mm -hmm. But the idea of hover boots... I fucked myself over a couple of times because I had them on, actually. Yeah. Did you ever have that? Yeah, I'm forgetting that you've got them on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the boss. Um, I don't know if it's, like... I think it was the co coolest one to look at, is Bongo Bongo. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, it's the giant hands hitting a bongo drum and you're on the bongo drum. Yeah. It's just cool. And on top of... He sort of looks like the first boss, the main part, like, is that got that red eye. Yeah. But then he just disappears into the shadows and so you're just fighting the hands. Yeah. The Shadow Temple also has that cool boat ride, sort of. Uh, well, yeah. That's, like, actually a pretty cool part. Uh, my number one is one you didn't like, actually. I have to go with the Water Temple, man. Cool. To me, it's, like, the big one of the biggest talking points of this game, but it's like that for a reason. It, it was very tough, but it wasn't, like, game-breakingly tough. Not, not so more so in ways that they hadn't done before, where it's like, some people say you might need a guidebook. I'm like, well, then that could be a criticism for the whole game, because yeah. there's plenty of parts where you probably might need a guidebook. But as far as, like, yeah. fighting Dark Link, changing the, the levels of the water sort of makes it a new tempo. It, I'm, I, with, I'm with you on the Dark Link thing, but I, I replayed it recently, and I, I still was like, fuck, fuck this camera, <laughs> man, fuck it. Fair. I think, I think those are the two camps. It's the love it or hate it sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are my three temples. Let's move on to your favorite three ocarina songs. Right, so I'm going to point out before I say this, my two favorite songs in the game aren't ocarina songs. It's the title music, which I've said, and the fishing hole music. <laughs> um, you can find them both on YouTube, and they're very relaxing. Going hard for the fishing music. Um, my, right, so my three favorite uh, ocarina songs. Um, Soraya's song is up there right away because it's almost like the first proper tune that you learn mm. isn't it that's my number one well if we're doing these ones out of order that is my number one for sure okay cool well that was my third favorite oh really but, okay but, sorry no no but it's cool we'll we'll do a backwards one yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll swap in the middle my second favorite this is it won't be a lot of people's but i like the little sort of mini story with it it's the song of storms the mm. the um the lighthouse song um and when you're a kid, it's this weird bit of, I guess, predestination, predetermination. Well, when you're a kid, you're going to the lighthouse. Sorry, when you're an adult, you're going to... And what is it? I've just replayed it again. Basically, the the windmill guy talks about a kid who ruined his life. But then when you travel back in time, you ruin his life. So he's talking about it before you've done it. Oh, right. Yeah, that's very because strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you just basically play the song of storms that makes it rain. and it the, Yeah, it makes the windmill go faster, that drains the well. Mm. And then the, that basically is needed for the game, but it ruins his life. <laughs> and he's in there with that music box, angry all of a sudden. Yeah, it's what, what is that called? A gramophone? Like the yeah. giant thing that's but like attached back, to yeah, just that. It's funny, <laughs> it's funny that's your number two. That's also mine. Um, oh, all right, cool. I, I thought it was one of the more popular ones, but I don't know. Well, maybe it is, it's, yeah. It's the best, I will say, the best uh, cosplay outfit I've ever seen in real life was a dude as the Song of Storms guy. complete That's with great. Complete with a real working gramophone, like music came out of his fucking box. Was thing. it playing that song? Yes, and that's all it would play. Is da -da -da, that's so da -da -da. <laughs> And it was like, dude, can I buy you a beer? Like, Yeah. You oh, man, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you pictures after. It's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, I just love the song. I love that it makes it rain. Um 
and it's just a good good song. Like yeah. I said, I brought up the frogs earlier. I like playing music for the frogs. Yeah. Yeah, that's my number two. And you're number one. Um, I just about, I was about to do a, a joke, but I realized uh, I was going to say the Scarecrow song, <laughs> but because that's where you make your own song. Right. Mine was just constantly pressing A because <laughs> you just wanted something to remember when you. You get to a scarecrow spot, so it's just... (laughs) Uh, But no, my favourite song by a mile uh, is a Pona song. Oh, hell yeah. It's I mean, it's the song that gets you a horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. (laughs) You play the song and your horse appears. (laughs) What's what's cooler than that? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And Talk to You by Malin, who's like one of the more endearing characters of the game also. Yeah. Um, I went with the sort of out of left field, I guess, but the Bolero of Fire. Right. Out of all those long temple ones, and I found the temple ones harder. They were always like a couple of keys longer, so tougher yeah. to remember. I don't know why it's just sort of different from the rest of them, but it sounds, it sounds off and then it turns into like a march. And I also just like the idea of Sheik teaching you these songs on her harp afterwards. Uh, or yeah, her I was harp. trying to remember the song in my head then. I couldn't remember it. And then when you said sounds like a march, it instantly appeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a good song. It's a good yeah. little tune. Um, and also shout out honorable mention to the Sun song. Which I just like how you learn it in that like tomb, yeah. And then at any point when you when you're like locked out of high rule, because I don't think I explained that when when it's dark out, the high rule drawbridge goes up, yeah. And you just have to fight skeletons until until the morning. Until the morning, <laughs> uh, yeah. But if you have this nifty song, you can just play it, and the sun goes up, the skeletons yeah. disappear. And it's also the song that plays when it becomes morning as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a it's a good little tune. Then finally, your three favorite items. Right. So. Fourth honourable mention is the fishing rod because it's not actually an item in the game. It's just, but it worked so well that I have to say it. Yeah. Honestly, I could I could have just done a podcast on the fishing part of the game, <laughs> but I'm gonna go uh, number three, the hook shot. Hell yeah! I just think it's cool. Mm. The idea of being able to drag yourself to different locations with it. It's yeah. always been like it's always been sort of the coolest item and not the coolest but one of the cooler concepts that Zelda's sort of brought to the game yeah my third is the lens of truth for all the things you were saying yeah I mean just the name dude like the lens of truth yeah and then you're like shining it on shit it's just very cool yeah and uh well I've got that at number two okay cool well fine I'll switch it up on you because I got the long shot or I guess the hook shot you can turn it into the long shot I forget forget if that's optional or required I think it is required at at one point Mm, because you have to it's in, it's there's certain parts of the water temple that you can't reach until you get the long shot. Right, and I remember so as a kid there's this creepy gravekeeper in the graveyard. It's called damp. Yeah, damp. And then as an adult you sort of push a grave aside. A lot of just desecrating graves in this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you go down and he basically challenges you to like a race. You're racing him as a ghost. Like yeah. it's he's dead and a ghost. And dropping fire on you. Yeah, and if you beat him in the race, you get the long shot, which is very strange. I wish I remembered the, if there was any story <laughs> narrative or if it was just completely random. Uh, but yeah, so the long shot. What's your number one? So you, you're going to hate me for it, but it's more because of like the side quest to get it as well. But it's the bigger and sword. <laughs> wow. Um, I, know it's over, I know it's overpowered, mm. but the idea, I think it also takes a sort of a... Like the fact that you can't block... The fact that, like, so the last fight with Ganon as the monster, mm. just rolling through his legs and then chopping him up with that sword, it's just such a great feeling. And it's two-handed. Mm. It's like when you're playing Skyrim and you can choose between having the, the one-handed or the two-handed. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, just and the whole quest that you have to go on of like um, hatching a chicken, waking a dude up, um, getting <laughs> some eye drops. Um, there's a, I think there's something, there's a frog that you have to drop off somewhere. You have to send it to a potion shop. And then finally, the, the guy can make your sword, but you have to wait three days. So you play the Sun Song six times. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that it's also a giant Goron that has to make it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we mentioned that, but the Goron's like eight stories tall. Like. And there's also the uh, little false positive that you get in the game as well, where early on you can buy what's called the Giant's Knife, which is exactly the same as the Vigoran Sword, but it breaks after you use it. Oh, I remember that, like 12 swings or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my number one, I went with the fairy bow, which is funny because I thought, uh, I find it a bit generic and, or not generic, it's too slow and linked to the past, so I never ended up using it. Yeah. Compared to like the hookshot or the boomerang. In this one, you can use it while you're on your horse, which is awesome. Yeah. You're using it in all the puzzles all the time. The first time in the temple where you shoot through fire to melt the ice, uh, stuff like that was fucking so cool. And I love the- Yeah, getting the attachments for the arrows is, is mm -hmm. amazing. But before that, I mean, it's like you had to shoot through a torch that was like you were yeah. on a rotating platform, sort of. But yeah, and then when you do get the attachments, the ice arrows, the fire arrows, the light arrows, uh, it was all just very cool, very well done, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, and that is it. That's our three top threes, Zelda Ocarina of Time. What I think I think we covered it. It is a great game. <laughs> I, might go, I might go fishing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. I really don't think I put enough time into it. You sort of sold me on just the fishing aspect. Yeah. Um, but before we get out of here, is there anything you want to plug or say? Um, I, I run a gig in Manchester uh, that, that happens maybe once every three months. Just have a look for Bath Bombs Comedy Club. We basically try and book the best comics in the country. So the last show was Fern Brady, Felicity Ward and Sean Walsh. And uh, we've got Dame Baptiste coming down for the next one. We're like, trying to sort out the rest at the minute. But um, yeah, look out for Bath Bombs Comedy Club. And yeah, I think that's about it, man. Hell yeah, man. Well, thanks for coming down. Uh, as always, I'm at, at FunnyJordanD on Instagram. Uh, follow GOILpod on Twitter. I've, I'm recommitting to making video game tweets. So tell your friends. Shh, tell them about this podcast. It's a good one. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. <laughs>